What is going on, man? Good morning, good morning, good morning. Man, yesterday, yesterday was a good day. What was yesterday? It was Monday, right? Yeah, yesterday was a great day. You know, just kind of chilled out with the family. We went to the park. We went to this place called Boulder City. And uh, just outside of Nevada, we went to this place called Boulder City. It was great, man. It was great. Took the kids to the park. Uh, my daughter was walking everywhere, which is freaking amazing. Because uh, I was worried. She was a late walker. My daughter didn't walk till 14 months. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is she okay? Is she okay? And then she just got up one day and started walking. That's crazy, right? You don't walk, and then all of a sudden, you just start walking. It's nuts. Hey, what's up, Kinley? Good morning to you. Thank you so much for checking out the morning, yo. Waking up with all that positivity and love. What up? The after show, but later. Sup, yo? Daniel. What up, Daniel? Thanks for the love, man. I saw you on uh, Twitter, too, spreading the word about the morning, yo, and I really, really appreciate that. We're building a community, man. As always, if you have some positivity you want to drop in the columns, something great happening, it doesn't have to be big. You'll be like, yo, I got, I got a little raise, or hey, my kid did this, or hey, you know, I, I found a, a great person to date. I don't know how you date during coronavirus, but hey, I'm sure you're doing it because you know everybody got to get something. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about? So, uh, yeah, man. So uh, I'm very excited about this. Today, Cobra Kai. I was late to Cobra Kai. I was late, right? I saw it after they had a couple seasons taped, and then it went to Netflix. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This show is awesome. It is awesome. So I watched the first season. My friend Brent uh, Ernst was in it. He plays Cousin Louie. I know I said Cousin Vinny, but it's Cousin Louie. He plays Cousin Louie. You know, he works at the car dealership. He keeps track of all the inventory. So I watched the first and second season back to back. And after the first season, I was like, oh, let me text him. And then I started watching the second season, and I didn't see him the second season. I was like, oh, I don't want to open a wound. You know, they had him on the first season. They didn't, they didn't bring him back to the second season. I don't, want, I, I don't want him to think like, oh, you know, then he has to explain. I didn't want to put him through that. But then I saw him on the third season. I was like, yes. My man is back. So now I hit him up and we became close. He has a local show in Vegas on every Tuesday and Wednesday at LA Comedy Club in Vegas, which is an amazing place. It's at the Strat. He does every Tuesday and Wednesday, 10 o'clock at night. And it's awesome, man. He just works out comedy. I go out there sometimes and work out some comedy. So yeah, it's great, man. It's great. So he's, he's going to be logging in in a second to do this. Uh, he says, give me five minutes. So like a couple minutes, he said, give me five minutes, like two minutes, three minutes ago. So two minutes, he'll be logging in. How are you this morning though? How are you? I'm feeling grateful every morning. You know what I do? Grateful for my wife, grateful for my son, grateful for my daughter, grateful for another 24. I do want to ask you so, something though. Something happened to me the other day that I don't know. I know a lot of y'all ain't doctors, but maybe this has happened to you. So I was watching the Super Bowl, and maybe you know what this is. And I'm being serious here. This is serious. So I was watching the Super Bowl, and my chest got really tight. Not a heart attack. My chest got really tight. It felt like it was burning. 
And then my ear, this ear, started ringing. And I was like, what is it? It felt like heartburn. I don't know. And then, but I had to like stretch out my chest. Then after I did that, it went away after a minute. Was it an anxiety attack? Anybody been through that? Does anybody watching know what that is? I don't know, man. It, it freaked me out. My wife started freaking out. But it, it's, it feels really tight in the chest. Ugh. And then it starts burning. And then your ears start ringing. I don't know. Scott Sandry this morning. Ha ha. Watching at 8 o'clock. What's up, Scott Sandry? 8 o'clock at night watching. Where you where you checking in from now, man? 8 o'clock at night? I love that. Huge audience, man. Like I said, keep sharing the podcast. Keep, uh, I mean, we started this podcast, Morning Yo, two months ago, two and a half months ago. 30,000 uh, people on Facebook that subscribe to it. Now we have over close to 180,000 just in two and a half months. So I appreciate you guys so much. Leave some stars if you want. You know, hook it up and make sure you keep sharing it because it means a lot. But without further ado, I just saw him pop in. My man, my man, Brett Yo. Ernst. What's up, man? Represent, you, baby. <laughs> the you, baby. How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm trying to get this all set up. I just finally got the office done, kind of, sort of. Oh, in your new place? Yeah. It looks good. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, no. I got to put the pictures up and everything. You can hear me good, though, right? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to get a mic eventually if we're going to do this Miami no, Hurricanes no, podcast. No. Oh, is it plugged in? It doesn't sound like it's plugged in. Oh, really? Hold on. I'm not that tech savvy. Did you? Is it on, Brett? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, hold on. Let me check. Is that? Does it sound better now? No. Oh, that's terrible. Hold on. Let me go. To it the sounds camera. like you're on a speakerphone. I think you got to go to settings and put it on that mic. I got Yeti. <laughs> it says internal speakers. Okay, that, that should work. I mean, it should sound like like mine sounds to you. All right, better? I mean, no, but we'll roll with it. No, 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 man. Let's get this right. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we're going we're gonna to bring the fire for the Miami Hurricanes podcast when we start. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Is it is it plugged into the side of the computer or what? Yeah, it's plugged into the side. It said it's it should be working, man. Maybe oh wait, just... when you're that close, it sounds good. Right now, it sounds good. Yeah. Do like this. A... How's this better? Yeah, it's a little bit better. Yeah, you're gonna have to get a different. You know what? I'm gonna send you a link to a good mic. Come on, you making Netflix money, man? You need some good mics. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you know what Netflix money is. <laughs> <laughs> it's still streaming, dog. Oh, uh, okay, okay, okay. So I want to jump in. So many fans of Cobra Kai. If you want to ask Brett a question about Cobra Kai, leave it in the comments. Uh, I appreciate everybody tuning in. So I want to know, like, I, I know your history in comedy, and we're going to get to that in your show at the Strap. We're going to get to that. But I want to know, like, how this all came about, like Cobra Kai. Uh, just regular, man. I, well, you know, the guys that wrote it, um, and produce it or the guys that did like Harold and Kumar and um, Hot Tub Time Machine. 
And then I guess they, they knew comedy. So they were like, you know, I got a request to come in, but I still had to audition just like everybody else. But I thought, I think it, I think it worked in my favor that I was in New Jersey for like a, a week. I was doing a, a theater in Asbury park. And that whole week I was hanging out with my friends. And then I, so when I got off the plane, it was just, you know, I, I already had the accent going because, you know, in, in Hollywood, not, not that I have one, but like, if you're in New Jersey, you hear a real New Jersey accent. Yeah, of course. I mean? So you you try and dilute it a lot in Hollywood that you know you don't want to go in. Hey, how you doing? All, all <laughs> cartooned out. So um, so when I was just there for that long, it just worked out that I got off the plane. I had my uh, Jr's Bar and Grill Seaside Heights T-shirt on, and I just great. went right to the audition because I got the call when I was in Asbury Park, and just I think because I was in Jersey all week that my accent came out natural and it just worked out, man. Did they say they wanted a Jersey accent? Or yeah, just- they, no, they, they wanted a guy that was, uh, you know, again, man, you know, usually when you see that people overdo it with, they, Hey, you know, uh, I'm, I'm over here. You know, with, yeah. you know, a dog. And they, you know, they sound like a cartoon and, uh, they wanted, you know, a guy was from the characters from Jersey is where, uh, Daniel LaRusso grew up. Actually, my father on the show is in karate kid too. So remember, she's he's dying. He's in bed dying. So yes, that guy is my father on in real, you know, on the show. Okay. I won't say real life, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I got you. I got you. So how many times did you ha- have to audition? How did it all work out? I went in. Um, I went in right away, man. And I think you know they they I think they kind of wanted me already, so they just oh, want to see if I could read. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But it moved. It moved kind of quick, man. It moved kind of quick. And then you're on set. So, so did you did you feel because you hear so much about it now? But when it first came out, did you think it kind of failed, or was it instant? It was huge. It it wasn't huge because we were on the YouTube Premium site. Yeah, which is which is what they actually uh, bought the show to be their flagship show. You know what I mean? And um, the ratings were phenomenal. And the people that, that, I mean, I think I read one interview, uh, one comment or review where it said, it's the only thing the internet agrees on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we were on, on YouTube premium. So once YouTube premium was like, look, we're not keeping this streaming site anymore. Netflix licensed it, but we shot the first three seasons already with YouTube. So this season four that we're shooting now is the first one produced by Netflix, but people were fans of the show. We had like an underground following, but you know, a lot of people didn't even know it existed because it was on YouTube. You know, that's, that's, what's interesting about it. Like I didn't know about it till the end of the second season and the third season was starting, but you're saying Mm -hmm. y'all already shot all three of those. Yeah. all, All three of those were shot. So how, so we, how long did it take you to shoot all three of those seasons? Uh, maybe two years. Two oh, okay. Years. So this has been, okay. Got you. Got you. Yeah. So, cause what I, I told you the story, but I saw you in the first season and then I immediately started the second season. I was about to hit you up, but then I didn't see you in the second season. I was like, Oh, I don't want to <laughs> open up a wound. I don't want to open up a wound. And then I saw you the third season. It made me really happy. So what's it look like for the fourth season? Can you say anything about the fourth season? Are you know you what? I haven't, I'm de- yeah, I'm definitely in it. I haven't seen okay. a script, though, but I've, I'm, you know, I'll be in, I'll be in a, uh, you know, more than a few episodes. 
But you got to understand, it's it's like Game of Thrones, where we have so many characters on the show and so many storylines. I mean, besides the the auto automobile you know dealership and Daniel's life and then Johnny's life and then you got all the kids in high school, you know, uh, there's a lot going on. So you know, and and when you're on set with Daniel's son. Like well, you grew up watching Karate Kid, I'm sure too. You know that was yeah, the movie yeah. you watch. Was it kind of a surreal moment being there? Um, me and uh, Dan, who you know Dan, right? Yeah. The other guy, he, he's a comic as well. Yeah. I, I remember the first day we showed up on set is when they were um, when they met face to face. You know what I mean? So uh, I was staring at him, and I'm like, "Yo, this." It was a little surreal, but. You know, it's a job, man. I mean, I've been in the business 24 years, so yeah. it's not like, you know, you're not in, in awe of things. And I had worked with uh, Ralph before in Beer okay. League, right? Because I, I was in Beer League. Um, I only had, a, you know, a small role, but I, I uh, you know, but uh, but it was a little, it, 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 I'll be honest with you, it's really cool to be a part of that canon. Uh, yeah. The Karate Kid canon now. I mean, like you know, it's it's solidified now. Like you know, you can't. Cobra Kai is now a part of the canon. If you know, yeah. whatever the term is, you know what you know what I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. It's part of the mainstream. It's part of it, and everybody knows yeah. about it. And it's going to open up a lot of doors for you. And has it already? Um, I mean, I don't know yet. I mean, it's hard to to gauge everything. You know, I I've been a comic forever, man. I've, yeah. And, um, you know, I can't really tell how the ticket sales are going to be because we're selling out every show because we can only sell 38 seats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, no, I mean, I just got a, another role on, a, on uh, offered another role on a show to Tacoma, you know, um, but just, you know, small stuff here and there. I, I, you know, I don't know, man. I just take it as it comes. I mean, look, I, I all I invest in is, is stand up because that's the only thing I have control over. And that's the only thing that, you know. That's what I, I tell I, everybody. That's that's the the industry can say yes or no to you, but the only thing we have control of is that stage and, and the material. And absolutely. you got to keep growing from now. You've always been an outspoken comic. Now that you're getting some success, is there sometimes you're like, ah, I'm not going to push the envelope on this joke because I'm kind of on a roll. Does that go on in the back of your mind? Um, you know what? It's a shame that we're in a society where that even has to be a thought. Yep. Like, like we're back in the 1950s, but on the opposite end. Yeah. You know, uh, but no, it doesn't. I mean, I'm not an envelope pusher to begin with. You know what I mean? I, I don't, uh, you know, if I have an opinion on something, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it. I mean, it's, 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 it's free speech, man. It's, it's comedy. It's supposed to be said, you know? If, yeah. I, mean, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm not really that type of guy anyways. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Like I've seen your set. It's great. And it, it there's no pushing envelope type of stuff, but it's kind of like nowadays with comedy, the whole cancel culture, the whole, if you say something to an audience member and somebody gets it on tape and that tape goes viral or that video goes viral. Now you're, now you're screwed. You know know, it would suck because, you know, I've, I've fought so hard to get what I want. And if, but you know what, I'm not mad at the people that complain. I'm mad at the industry for listening to them. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what are we doing? What, 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 where in the world did this ever become a thing where, you know, like I said, Lenny Bruce went to jail for this 
And, you know, I started in, in 1997, 96. And, you know, in the beginning, we had to deal with the religious right, but the progressive left is the new religious right. Yeah. They're the ones trying to ban everybody. It's crazy. Like, you figure as a liberal, I figured we, we you know, we got out of the construction zone site. You know what I mean? Like, okay, we hit that. Now it's these crazy lefties that are, are it's, to me, it's the same, it's the same thing now. You know what I mean? I'm an old school liberal where like, you know, I just let people be. I'm not afraid yeah. of words. I'm not afraid of people's thoughts and ideas. If somebody <laughs> disagrees with me. The only thing I don't like that we have a problem with is Florida State, but we can oh, talk about that another time. The worst school ever. Matt Gates <laughs> is from Florida State, of course. He graduated from Florida State, but yeah, Florida State is horrible, and so is Florida. No, but which but one I, do you hate? Which one do you uh, hate more, Florida honestly, State or Florida? Florida, Florida. Yeah, and, and you know too. why? Because they ducked us for so many years. But I, so I, I, many years. What I'm saying, yeah. I, I don't. I think that I think. I don't, I think that a lot of the cancel culture is exaggerated a little. I mean, I think you can say what you want. Um, if, you know, if, if you have a, it, it is, it's sad that our industry is listening to these voices when it should just tell them to shoot and go away. But I do mm -hmm. see that. I do see that happening though. I do see they're getting ignored more and more now because, you know, you, you only get so many battles to die on so many, you know what I mean? Like there's so many yeah. things you to, to that that you you only get so many of those and if you're going to waste them on something stupid you know that people are going to tune you out after a while and, and i think i think that's what's happening now yeah you know like my thing um i always say it freedom of speech needs to go both ways look if a comic says something extreme or a reporter says something extreme look the other people have uh freedom of speech to say what they want to say but back in the day you used to have to earn that you know what uh -huh. i mean like like to to comment on somebody you had to you had to come up through the ranks you had to really study comedy you had to really or whatever profession it was to be an expert you had to really know the field now anybody can be an expert with no like and you offend anybody and then they can take it to twitter or instagram or wherever and then, yeah, they but have a right of freedom of speech. To I meant like but, yeah, exactly, but but we give them credibility. Well, dude, listen again, man. The bias in the left right now in the media is just disgusting. It is disgusting, and and it needs to level out because yeah. it, it just you know what what do you first of all fr from a street perspective, from from money perspective, you've got all types of people in America that have different ideologies, but they all spend money. You know, you can't just ignore or go after. And then, and, and again, man, it, it, the whole thing is nonsense to me. All of it is. Yeah. I mean, any comic. We mm -hmm. I always tell people like comics don't form, form opinions by going, oh, really? Is that true? Yeah. No, we, we <laughs> it, like whenever you hear something, we're always like, okay. Right. We always listen with that yeah. contrarian ear. Right. We, and, and that's why we've always been commentators on society. I mean, from, again, from, from Bill Hicks to Lenny Bruce, to George Carlin, to Richard Pryor. Now we're in an era where you have so many great comedians and now, now we have to go up against the progressives now. And by the way, I hate the term punching down. I yeah. think that term is such a passive aggressive racist term Anybody who says punching down, they're basically telling you that they think that they're above you. 
You know what I mean? Where to me, I don't care, man. And you know, you know me personally. Yeah. Nothing is off limit. No, nobody is exempt from being criticized or made fun of. You know, it, it just makes no sense. I mean, again, I, I'm not a mean spirited person. Yeah. So when I'm making jokes, I'm not doing it to hurt anybody. But if 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 it's a joke, it's a joke. I mean, you know, there are some comics that are a little too harsh. Yeah. For my liking, yeah. they should. If people like them, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. No, I I got you. I I, I do want to ask you about the uh, Super Bowl. Is Brady? I love how you just got off. The, you know what? You got me going, Mike. And that I know and that, I did. That, but I could. But here's the thing. I could go off on this too, and we could talk about this for an hour. Yeah, because it's a dead horse. It gets beat to death by yeah, every. Gets beat to death. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so I want to I want to move to Brady because I have my opinion, which I haven't heard any news outlet like ESPN or the commentators have my take on it. But I want to get your take. Is Brady the goat of all athletes? Um, hmm. All right, look. All right, Bill Russell has the most championships of any athlete, right? Other yeah. than Rick Flair. Ric Flair is the 16th time WWF, WCW. But other than Ric Flair and now John Cena, I think Ric Flair and John Cena are tied with world championships. Oh, gosh. Uh, no. But now Bill Russell was playing a different game, right? So we, we look at his 11 championships, but he's like, you know what? It was in an era with nine teams and whatever. Tom Brady's playing a different football than, say, Joe Montana played. All right. It's a different game. It's hard to differentiate the two. I mean, come on. I mean, the guy's been to 10 Super Bowls. He's won seven. By default, he is the GOAT. Of if all I athletes. Would, of all athletes. Um, I mean. See, I, see, okay. Let me, let me, let me explain. My you team. know what? You're right. The question was all athletes. I'm going Joe Montana versus Tom Brady. No, I'm talking about all athletes. No, let I, me tell I, you. you know, no, no, I, I I give it to Jordan. I still got it to Jordan. Okay. I give it to Jordan and I'm going to tell you why. You just froze. Are you there? Oh yeah. No, I'm there. here. Okay. So I feel if you just look at stats, yeah, Brady is one of the greats, right? But I think to be the best, like the goat, the goat means everything, not just stats. It means what you bring to that sport. The reason why I think Michael Jordan is the greatest because he actually changed basketball. Like Tom Brady is a phenomenal quarterback, but he didn't change being a quarterback. Like he, Mahomes is doing more changes than Brady. Michael Jordan got some Jordans, like the shoe, and made that a multi-billion-dollar company because he was so great on basketball. Michael Jordan played the game of basketball differently. You never hear somebody—I don't care if you're from Boston—throw a pass and go, Brady. No, but you hear it with Jordan, you hear it with Kobe, you know, and I just feel like to be, to be the GOAT, you have to change the sport. LeBron, I'm going to say this and I'm going to let you jump in because I know you want to. LeBron, to me, is a great athlete, but he has not changed basketball. Steph Curry has changed basketball more than LeBron James, you know? Okay. As far as the three ball, like to change, I'm talking about changing a sport. They're playing a different game. Here's why I'm going to go with Jordan to to okay. add to your point, okay? Mm-hmm. Is uh, he's also the greatest of his era in the greatest era of basketball. 
right? So when you look at when he started, even though he never beat Bird in the Celtics because he, he was on a rough, you know, the Bulls yeah. weren't the Bulls then. But he played against Bird. He played against Magic. He played against Shaq. I mean, he went all the way up to – yeah. But in that mid '90s with the Knicks and and the Pacers and the um, come on, Brett, Knicks, Pacers. Who else was the Bulls? That that was oh the the oh, Pistons. The Pistons. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, let's be honest too. Steph Curry is if if he's playing in the '90s, there's no way he's sitting out in the perimeter hitting threes without getting laid out. One hundred percent. But nobody goes to the paint anymore. And again, we sound like the two old guys, but. I- <laughs> It's a different game. Now, in LeBron's defense, if if they were able to play defense today like they did back then, he would easily be defensive player of the year. I mean, he'd be throwing grown men around. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, you don't need the big guy. Uh, you don't need the center anymore like like he used to. It's, an, it's a different game, just like Brady's playing a different game. I mean, when they called that pass, uh, that roughing the passer on, on, uh, on um, Mahomes – I mean, that was just a regular play in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. You know, nobody, nobody really, when, when they called it on JPP, but it wasn't really him. It was, yeah. I forgot the guy that hit him, but that was nothing. Um, j- again, it's a different game that these guys are playing. It's a much safer, no, easier. I, oh, 100%. 100%. But Jordan was the best in the best era. Absolutely. He's, he changed. I mean, he's a pop icon. You're he about to say it. He changed the game, though. He changed the he game. He played with Bugs Bunny, dude. <laughs> uh, we got some people coming in. Uh, Lance Padilla says, I want to see Louie join Miyagi-Do and take on Stingray in season four. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, I hope that happens too, man. I got to redeem you- myself. I mean, do you know some karate? I mean, are you are you training or anything? Have you taken any uh, classes? Yeah, well, when I was I was younger, I mean, I've taken a couple different forms. Uh, I started at Taekwondo like every other kid. Then I did a little Goju-Ru, which was for a while. But then I got into Krav Maga for, I'd say, about five years, six years. What is Krav Maga? I've never heard of that. It's, an Isra- it's Israeli martial art. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's actually pretty... Uh, to be the man, you got to beat the man. Neither Brady I, I love nor Lance Jordan. Doing over here. Yeah, Lance, I agree. <laughs> Neither be Ric Flair. <laughs> oh, look at this. Person wants to know since I'm a break dancer. All right, Mr. Wiggles, Ozone Turbo. Oh. Um, they're going with. Uh, actually, I like um, Crazy Legs from Rock Steady Crew. How you doing? Oh yeah. What does this mean right here? Uh, this is Andrew Singer Beard Humor. Brett fights. Pasek. That's Pasek. what Andrew, uh, yeah, he's from down the street. Andrew's actually good friends with a lot of comics. He's starting. Oh, he's a great comics. dude. Yeah, you know Andrew? Oh, and man, let me tell you. Andrew has the biggest he's heart the in the same, game. He's from the same uh, uh, hometown in New Jersey. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, he's such a great dude. And his memes are amazing. Like, he just kicks up the game, man. He just kicks up the game. Uh, let's see. Since uh wait, I, I nobody saw this question because I didn't put it out. You saw it. Since Brad is a break dancer, who is the biggest b-boy influence? Mr. Okay, got you. And that's what you just answered. Crazy legs, right? Yeah, and uh what was the other dude? Buckshot and uh yeah. well, you remember the you remember the movies breaking? Of course. Well, I'm I, you know, I'm I'm partial to Beach Street myself. Beach Street, yes. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, that's why because I, I was up there at that time. 
And, you know, it just, it reminds me of being a kid up there. Ah, uh, now, did you actually see these people around and them dancing no, and things like that? No, I never, I, well, there was a couple of battles. If Andrew, or if, if he remembers, there was a stage in third world park where people used to battle all the time in New Jersey, but you know, I was just a kid. So, you know, I just, I just looked up to my cousin, Carmen. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You just, I think I know what's wrong with your mic. Move a wire or something, because it just popped on for a second. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Talk, talk into it. Yeah. Yeah, that's Yo. better. Yeah, that's way Is it better. better. I think so. Okay. I think you got a bad wire or something. I think you got a bad wire. So I want to talk about your comedy game, because you've been in the game for 25 years. And before I moved to L.A., you know, I, I was talking to the comic and they go, oh, man, like I, I moved to L.A., like got into comedy about 10 years ago. That's it. But you've been doing it for 25. I, how was L.A. comedy scene changed from when you started in L.A. and what got you to L.A. and how it is now? Uh, well, I originally was up in New York for a minute, and then um, I went back down to Florida. I originally considered myself starting in South Florida. Okay. Um, I did. I was there for three years. I traveled back and forth. Like I used to drive up to New York just to do like a one nighter, turn around, then drive back to Miami. You know. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I drove twenty three hours one time for a gig. Did the gig, uh, slept, and then turned around and came back. How much did you get paid for that gig? Shit. 50 maybe <laughs> so uh uh the, when i first got to la man you know my goal was to get into the comedy store and uh see again man i know people watch the documentary on it um is the mic still good or no am i good no it's good it's good um i know people watch the documentary on it but there was that 20 year period that they kind of touched on in the documentary um where nobody was at the comedy store, you know, it was the OR, you know, you maybe get seven, eight people. I remember sometimes they might, they would just be like, look, we're going to cancel the show. Cause nobody was in, in, in the show, you know? And that's, you know, when Rogan was there and Diaz was there and all, all that crazy, you know, dice was always coming in. Eddie Griffin was, was coming in and, you know, it was like the inmates ran the asylum. And, and in that, in that period is where we, you know, we would grow as comics in that OR and Mitzi was always there to, you know, talk to us, but I don't know if you were there for Dublin's. Were you there for Dublin's? No, I came after Dublin's. So when Dublin's hit, that was like the big thing for about four years in LA. And I mean, I can't even tell you, it was like a rock concert and you know, you, you still had a lot of the alt scene booming. So the early two thousands, when comedy central was doing tough crowd and the Chappelle show and, Yep. It was just a great time to develop comedy. And again, man, I mean, not to come full circle, but a lot of, there's a lot of censorship going on in the comedy community, which I think has affected it. And, you know, again, I'm not affected by it because I've already grew up in it, mm -hmm. but I've noticed that the scene has changed and, and there's people like what you, that, uh, that question you asked me, I never even thought of it. But that's a legitimate question where are you afraid that you could lose everything because of something you said? And that's basically what you asked me. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that that's even a factor in today is, is disgusting. And it has affected the comedy scene.
I don't let it affect me. I don't care. I, I'll, I'll, I'll die on that hill. You know what I mean? Cause I know I'm a good person. Yeah. I know a lot of these comics are good people. Um, it's, it's humor, but it has affected the scene. So, you know, we were more, I, I, I tell a lot of the younger comics, like when, when we were, when we were policing ourselves back in the day, there were two things we policed. One, are they stealing jokes? Mm -hmm. Right. Two, is it hacky? Now, I'm Roman Catholic. I'm Italian. I love the U. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. Whatever my beliefs are, if you're doing joke something I don't agree with, you know, I'm not. I never once. I'm gonna add to it with my knowledge to try and make it funnier. Yeah. I don't care. It's about the joke. You know what I mean? You can make fun of everything I stand for all day if it's you know as long as you're not being disrespectful. As long as it's funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which again, yeah. so it has bled into the scene. And it's also Mike bled. See, I'm a, I'm in about 30 to 35 cities a year prior to COVID, right? Yeah. But every time I go to a major city, I go to the open mic scene. And, you know, I just love being around comics. It's it, I just love the culture. And I have seen a dramatic difference. And and I've also seen like a lot of people that are in the scene you never see on stage. So you'll get these comics that are always around. They always end up blogging. They always end up talking about another comedian or something they said or questioning their intentions. And, you know, as a white male, you're always, we can get the racist card pulled on us all the time, regardless yeah. of whether we are or not, which, you know, but then there's other things, misogyny, whatever these stupid terms, it's got nothing to do with a joke, uh -huh. right? They police and they look around and, you know, and, and they go after whoever they want to go after and, and they, but they're usually never on stage again, doesn't affect me. I I'm, I'm already grown. I I've seen it in the younger scene more, but the comedy yeah. story is still true to the art and it won't change as long as Adam's there. And as long as, you know, you got the comics there that, that really respect the tradition of stand up comedy of pushing the envelope or you know, as long as that com that comedy store is still standing, we you ain't gonna have a problem there. It's gonna be in the in the developing rooms around it. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I agree. I love the comedy store, man. It's just a play. You know, it's before I got into comedy, you would always hear about brotherhood and you know how comics always got comics backs. And I saw a big shift. I like ten years ago when I started. You know, I knew some comics, but comics would talk a bunch of crap about other comics. Then when podcasting started, it seemed like it brought a lot of comedians together and the hate has kind of gone away. Now, I'm also a guy that doesn't sit in the comedy clubs and try to listen to stuff and get involved in that kind of stuff. But yeah. I just noticed where 10 years ago, comics would just come up and tell me stuff, you know, about other comics. Like, I, that was never my thing either, man. I mean, yeah. you know, we're both athletes. To me, yeah. it's a bitch trait. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, to talk to another man. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's, you know, I think that's yeah. hoish as fuck. And on yeah. top of that, like, you know, if, again, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you in person. I'm not going to talk to you through 10 other people. Um, but you know, most people, most comics, a lot of them are bitch made with that stuff, man. They talk yeah. out of both sides of their mouth and, and it is, man, it's, it's I think it's just, I, I've seen it, but again, yeah. the ones that are really working and the ones that are into the art form, uh, you know, 
there's a reason why that 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 they are doing well and the other people just linger in the mics and, and in that little scene that they have, you know, like I don't know. Now, you know you, what I'm talking about though. No, oh oh yeah, I know. I, I exactly know where it's those people that say I've been doing comedy for 15, 20 years, but they only got like five years of stage time. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's those guys because stage time, I remember when I first started, Russell Peters told me, he says, You're gonna come up faster because you're going to get a lot of stage time in stage time. Don't go by years, go by stage time, because that's how you build. You know what I mean? Is how much it, stage it, time. Absolutely. absolutely. It's, and you know, they, they give you that 10,000 rule. Yeah. You know, 10, 10, hours. Hours. the problem with comedy is you're doing it five to 15 minutes at a time to get to 10,000 hours. Yeah. But once you get to a certain point, you know, like now I'm averaging, you know, maybe seven hours a week. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Count. Counting the Tuesday and Wednesday at, at the Strat. Yeah. So I'll average an hour a night to try and work out. And, you know, that's the other thing, too. Comedy is always a work in progress. So when you're looking at, at the, the art form of it, right? Like sometimes I'm playing with tone. Sometimes I'm playing with, um, like I was talking about the divorce. You could, I could do it bitter and then yep. draw attention to it or make it like, you know, because I really don't care, but there's there's ways to play with the tone of a joke. I, I was there when you were doing that. You you said I'm gonna do a bitter this show, and then the next night, thank you for inviting me up by the way to do the shows. But you, the next night, you're like, okay, I'm gonna be a little bit more laid back about it mm -hmm. and not aggressive because the way you come out, the audience listens in a different way. You know, it's pretty it's pretty interesting how because I used to come out hot, and then I was like, sometimes I come out like, hey, what's up? You know, just hang. And the audience builds to your crescendo a different way. So it was great to see you work out that way. But again, so, you know, if people understand the art form, a lot of times you're saying things on stage that you're trying to make work or you don't know if it works or you don't know if it's funny. You know, that's why it's hard to, ju to judge a comic material until they actually put it out. Uh, you know what I mean? Like when I, when I do my special, I'm a hundred percent, committed to how I delivered it and what I'm saying in the creative process. I'm not, I might say some things that might sound a certain way, but you know, you write on stage. Yeah. It's all, 100%. you know, and, well, I tell, um, go ahead. No, no, no. I said, I said this, when people get canceled for stuff, they say on stage at a comedy club, I go, that's like, like when reporters go to comedy shows, that's like a reporter turning in, their rough draft of their article and making it their final piece. Anytime you see a comic in a comedy club, they're working it out. This is their rough draft. This might be their first pass, their second pass. It's not the final document. When it's right. a special, if you want to criticize it, then criticize it. Then. But when you see us in a club, I mean, that's just unfair to criticize and to try to cancel somebody because we're trying out stuff. We're trying to see what works, what doesn't work. And if you don't give us that freedom, you know, you're going to get terrible comedy. No. And, and again, man, it's, it's, uh, I know it's a dead horse. Everybody talks yeah. about it, but it, it's a legitimate threat, man. It yeah. really is. I mean, this is no joke. It, it's gotten to the point to where, like I said, I'm not mad at the people who complain. You've always had that. Yeah. I'm mad at our industry for listening to them and ruining the lives of talented people. And, and I remember when Leslie Jones got on Saturday night live and you know, she's, she's one of my favorite. I love comic. her. Right. 
And right out the gate, she did that joke about breeding the slave, like breeding with other slaves. She did it on Saturday Night Live, and you had all these angry people. And it was, it's always the same. It's like the the white, the angry white progressive person or whatever mm-hmm. demanding that she apologize. And who the fuck? And and you know, and this girl had put almost twenty something years into 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 getting to where she had to be. It was like twenty seven years. She finally got her break. And now people want to take, they wanted to take it away from her. And, and Saturday Night Live didn't listen, thank God. And I just wish that they would take that, that cue. I remember another time when JC Penny had, um, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Ellen DeGeneres as the spokesperson. And then yeah. people complained. And, and again, that was the, that was the right complaining and, and the industry didn't listen. They need to start stop listening to the left now because they're doing the same thing. We're all on the same team here. You know what yeah. I mean? When it comes to free speech. And, and again, I'm not saying like you don't have to buy a ticket, but when, when you're questioning people's integrity that have that have, you know, busted just, their ass for all these years in the just game. Jokes. It's just a joke. Um, I want to switch hey, gears way, really quick to, to get back to what why people yeah. the um, I did that meme with Tom Brady and Ric Flair. Okay. Uh-huh. The joke where like Ric Flair is 17. I, I, I shared that on my page. It legitimately caused an argument <laughs> that people, first of all, there was a guy that was trying to convince me oh. that wrestling isn't real. Yeah. Okay. Which we know. Yeah. There's another guy who went in, but then he pulled back and he made a mistake then there's somebody going, well, Ric Flair was a racist. It, it, it's just started this whole thing. It's a joke that yeah. Ric Flair has 17 championships. And it just shows you why these people, we shouldn't listen to them. Because these were the people before the internet, if you remember, these are the same people that used to write on bathroom stalls. <laughs> you know, that like would write the most horrendous, meanest stuff on a bathroom stall. These are the same people that are jumping in on Facebook walls. They've always existed. We just got to stop listening to them. All right. We're going to switch gears because we beat that dead horse. Uh, I want to talk talk about coronavirus, man, because I see you traveling everywhere. Um, And you're doing a lot of shows across the country because you're hot right now. You're on one of the biggest shows right now. Uh, Cobra Kai, uh, Cousin Louie. How, do you ever feel unsafe when you go to places or how are you protecting yourself? I don't care, man. I don't care. You don't care? First of all, the, the plane right now has those HEPA filters. It's probably the, the safest place to yep. be. Uh-huh. Um, I think I had it already. Actually, I know I had it when it first came out. I mean, I, for three weeks, you know, but I, I powered through it. But um, and then I was I was hanging with this chick that had it and I didn't have it again. And if I did, I would have had it again. Yeah. Um, but I, I was never really concerned about it anyways, man. I mean, okay. you know, I was kind of like, let me just get it and get it over with. But, you know, traveling, you know, the clubs are doing the best they can to they try and, and, and comply. And also, um, you know, uh, there's this, I mean, look, we were under the assumption that we're just going to try and curb the, uh, the, whatchamacallit, the hospital. So they weren't inundated eventually everybody's got to get this thing, you know, but now that the vaccine's out, hopefully everything will open up. I ain't touching it. I oh, mean, why not? not? You're not going to get the vaccine. Not for like at least five years. I want to see what happens. 
no, I got you. I got you. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people were burned in um, the invention of fire. So we'll let that play out. <laughs> so, but, but I know you had it. You had it real bad, dude. Dude. By the way, man, that's a great the, the way you're doing that on stage is is beautiful, man. Is it? I, I'm trying to find the right beats to make it heartfelt but yet funny at the same you're way. You're orchestrating it great, man. I mean, it's cool because I don't know, man. I mean, you know, to me, there's nothing better than 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 true than true life, and and the way that you're doing it is 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 pretty good, man. I, I know I'm, I I I could tell it's about eighty five percent there. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's still, still good enough to present, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy going through something like that. And I always tell people, a lot of people die sudden and you don't get to think about your life, but when you know that, okay, I, I got like three or four days, it changes your whole perspective. Cause you go through your life, you know? And, yeah. and I said it on stage and I'll say it now on this podcast. Cause I don't think I said it. I, I feel that the greatest thing is I treat everybody well. And I respected everybody and I have no enemies. And if I did have enemies, then that's on them because I'm a fair and kind person. But the, the biggest thing was, you know, I got kids and they would have never known what type of father they had. And that's what hurt me the most. It wasn't dying. It was that with two kids, a son and a daughter. So that's what was crazy to me, man. But uh, that's what I learned in that whole experience and just surviving, surviving the thing and seeing so many pass away from it. It's, uh, you know, if you believe in God, if you, if you don't believe in God, people say you're here for a reason, but there's a reason I'm still around. And I think just doing this and spread and, and I feel like I'm a connector. I like people to shine and I like to give them a platform to shine. So that's what I'm focusing on. Well, I, I, and I'll say that, um, you know, again, I, I, obviously the thing's real, you know, that's the yeah. other thing that bothers me. Like these people that won't wear the mask, just wear the damn mask, you know, yeah. until we, until we figure it out. Um, but I've known a bunch of people that were really, you know, affected by it, man. And, you know, uh, Carlos Rodriguez is another yep. one. I mean, dude, his, his long, I, I almost cried, man. I mean, I, I called him on the phone. I mean, he's fine now, but dude, he couldn't even talk. He couldn't even breathe. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, but I, I also, I, I, you know, some people are more susceptible to it than others, you know? And I think they're going to find out in the future, it does way more to your body than they know right now, because people are like, you got to remember doctors are just learning about this, yeah. you know? So they don't know a lot about it. And it's a thing where like, I feel like I feel hundred percent now, but it took seven months. And I, I went, one thing I will tell anybody that got Corona bad is to definitely, after you recover, go back to your doctor and find out for sure if you have any underlying conditions. That's the first thing I did is I went back. Why did I get this? I work out six times a week. I eat healthy. And so they did a brain scan. They did a heart scan. They did everything to make sure I didn't have any underlying conditions. It was just, I was in New York. I performed in front of 2,500 people, met about a thousand of them, you know, before anybody knew about COVID and came back to California. And that's when it all went to hell, I guess you could say. So yeah, you know, I just wanted to see how you approached it. But like you said, planes are safe right now. I feel like this is the time to travel when things are safe because everybody's taking precautions. I never, uh, I never, um, again, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm one of those guys where I was never, you know, I, I never, I never really fear cared about anything, but I don't have any kids, man. I think once yeah. you have kids, it changes everything. Oh, it does. I mean, it does, now man. it's just me. So 
you know, whatever. <laughs> so, well, well, I, I want to talk about this. A lot of comics, when this pandemic happened, they moved out of L.A. Rogan and team went to Austin. Uh, Theo has a place in Nashville. I see comedians moving all around. Me and you, we're in Vegas because we can pop into L.A. easy when we need to shoot something. What made you want to uh, come to Vegas? Why was Vegas the place for you? Well, I I got out of L.A. two years ago. I moved oh, to Ohio. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I oh, bought a house okay. in Ohio. And then, uh, you know, that was trying to make whatever was going on with uh, the marriage thing kind of work. And I actually wanted to get out. Uh, you know, I started, I talk about it in my act, but, you know, I was having these Midwest fantasies, which, you know, that was a, that was a, a quick uh, chat. But um, I chose Vegas. It was tax-free state, you know, uh, there's tons of rooms to get up. I'm near LA. Um, we shoot Cobra Kai in Atlanta. You know, I can, I'll tell you, man, I think that the world is going to be better for this whole COVID thing afterwards. Yes. I agree. Uh, especially with the way we do business. I mean, you know, nobody really has to be in LA anymore. And, and let's be honest. Most people were living there because of the business and we had to be there. I, it has a very special place in my heart, but it's overpriced. It's, it's just, you know, there's the, the, it's just, it went, it went too, it went too crazy. Yeah. And, um, I could, I, I felt like Vegas was a convenient spot. Like you said, you can have your cake and kind of eat it too, yeah, but I can. love the fact that the casinos are here and that you could do shows here and you can also make money doing stand up here other than New York and LA. This is the only in town place oh. I know where you could get up and make, make a little, make a little scuttle. Huh? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it's even more than L.A. because L.A., they'll throw you a 20 or 25 for a set. Here, you get a lot more. And I was like, when this thing opens, I feel when everything's done, people vaccinated or people feel free to go out and do their thing. I think comedy is going to have another explosion because people are going to run the comedy clubs because they want to laugh. Well, it's already happening, man. I mean, again, yeah. I've been so far during COVID. I've been in 11 cities. Yeah. And, you know, people... People are coming out. I mean, listen, I, I will say this, okay, and coming to a positive full circle. Okay. The 20-somethings the are nowhere near as extreme as the millennials were because the millennials are pushing 40 now. They're not kids. They're like 38 is like the cutoff, mm -hmm. right? These 20-somethings, they grew up on podcasts. They, they love stand-up comedy. They come to the clubs. They know who – who the, the comics are and it's, it's more of a underground. See, to me, I like the fact that comedy isn't mainstream anymore. Yeah. I, what, belongs, what do you mean by that? Belongs, what do you mean? It's not mainstream. It belongs in the nightclubs. Gotcha. Okay. And, you know, that's, that's, that's where comedy belongs. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, it got to the point to where, you know, people are just playing it safe on stage and, and it, it belongs. And then it's an underground punk rock, rock and roll, gangster rap art form and that's just where it belongs it belongs in comedy club in my opinion yeah no i it's nothing like like i, I say i love uh the uh la comedy in in vegas I, I i love the energy in the room and i i just man a small group of people can bring so much energy it just feels good in that room. You know, I haven't performed in a lot of places in L in, in Las Vegas. I'm hitting some different rooms, uh, but 
I just feel like this is uh, Vegas for me. It's like you. When it opens up, man, I'll be able to pop in places where I feel L.A. was a little bit more political. You know, because um, there's so yeah, many great comics there. Yeah, and, and you know the the thing with LA, and and again, I you know I I, I was very fortunate. Yeah, you were. Well, not, I, I don't say fortunate. I worked. You were my good. You you were good. I worked my ass off. So you know, I don't want to discredit the work, but you know, there's a lot of people that work their ass off and don't get get that far. So I was able to work all three clubs and, on a regular basis, which you know I stood in line at the Laugh Factory from five a.m. five p.m. on a Tuesday every four weeks to do three minutes in order to get in the club. Yeah. Right. I did open mics at the comedy store with the potluck and then getting recommended. And it took me a year and a half to get in. I did the, all, 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 you know, everything everybody has to go through. And that's the other thing I love about comedy is that I could be headlining. I could meet a, 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 a guy that's emceeing. We've all been there. Yeah. Right? Every usually 99% of comedians, 99.9% have been at every level of that, you know, uh, progress to get to wherever you're going to be, whether you're, you know, sitting in an audition room, bombing, uh, waiting tables. I was delivering pizzas at like 32, um, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever it is, we've all been there. So you know, when you meet a comic that you know is, is just loves stand up and loves what it is, and there's just you're already bonded with them, and that's the other thing. They can't be like, I can't believe I'm emceeing. We're like, bitch, we've all done it. Shut yeah. up. You know 100%. what I mean? Because you don't love it, it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, we've all you don't love there, it. Man. Like I remember one time when I did Jamie Masada's thing, you know, uh, with Dom Herrera. He had a podcast at the Laugh Factory. And and I showed up and you just saw all those comics in line, 20 of them waiting to get yep. three minutes and they can't come back for four weeks. So they get one shot at three minutes. I did that for, I don't know, every four weeks I'd go and wait for almost a year and a half. And it would be like me, Sam Tripoli, Maj Jabrani. Um, you know, I was doing mics with Sebastian. Uh, we just all forged ahead. I remember Leslie Jones one night, you know, in the kitchen, she was just, she, you know, she, she was down on her luck. She needed a little, yeah. sc- you know, we've all been in every aspect and level of this, but you know, when, when you meet comics that, you know, love, love it. It's, it's awesome, man. You know, you, you just, you're, you're bond with them right away. At least I do. Do you, you know, you know, a lot of comics that like broke, like Sebastian. I know like Joe Coyle was my mentor. He broke. Do you, that's the whole game about stand-up comedy is like what makes somebody break now if we knew that we we all would do it but like break to that level do you have an idea what that is yeah it's product awareness that's all it is so you know like you know joe coy sebastian they put out a quality product yeah um Mm -hmm. you know you have two types of things you have you know even in, in in business you have marketing Mm-hmm. Which you're like, hey, here's a piece of shit. I'm going to try and market this and make it look like it's the best thing ever to get you to gotcha. buy it. And then there's this thing that is just so good. Once people are aware of it, you know, it'll it'll take a life of its own. And, you know, in my opinion, again, I'm, I'm not a guy that's bashing the industry, but they got lazy. You know, they're not in the co- – like, as a football guy, let's just say that you hear there's a receiver that's 6'4", runs a 4'140". And, you know, has hands of glue or 
you're at least going to go down there and see him play. Yeah. Right. So that's the other thing that's changed. You had executives that used to hang out at the comedy shows. Like the reason why there was that era of so many great comedians just popping up is because like Dublin's in LA. I mean, it broke Dane. Uh, I mean, I can go on Mitch Mullaney, Alonzo, Sebastian. There were so many people that performed at that club and the industry came down to say, Hey, let's see what the buzz is about. And you got to see somebody actually do what we do. Yeah. And that's the other thing that bothers me is that I think we get, I think comedy gets disrespected. There's very few people that do comedy well. And Mm -hmm. the industry acts as if they can just check a couple of boxes and forget the fact that people, it takes a long time to sharpen this skill. Oh yeah. People that can write comedy. There's not many people that can perform comedy. There's not many people that can do stand-up. It's just like being a professional athlete. There's not many people that could throw a hundred mile per hour fastball, right? This is a rarity. So, but they don't treat it like that. They're like, okay, we're looking for this, 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 and whatever this fits this description. And we want you to be this way and that way. But see, those days are done. Yeah. The internet has changed the game. So that product awareness is the reason why Sebastian sold out Madison Square Garden. It's the reason why Burt Kreischer and Joe Rogan and, and you know, all of these comedians, Bill Burr, uh, you can go on and on. They Most of them were discovered online. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The industry, it didn't do its job, right? At least, again, I look at it from a, a business standpoint, right? Going, you should be in the clubs every night. I mean, if, if my job is football i'm sending a scout at least to go look at look at players Mm -hmm. i mean how the hell are you determining these things and again it's not that i'm bitter i I have a career i'm not you know what i'm saying i'm i'm happy with where i'm at i just think that you know they're not a lot of them aren't doing their jobs i mean I, i i used to see them all the time and there's maybe two or three that i know personally that are there that you know you don't see anybody in the clubs anymore I mean, prior no. to COVID, obviously. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, Brett, I got to go. This has been amazing. Like, I could talk to you forever. And and I can't wait till well, we do yeah. our mic. Do it off my, air. <laughs> yeah, well, we can do it off air. Uh, but make sure you go check him out. Uh, he does Wednesdays and Tuesdays. Tuesdays and Wednesdays, uh, 10 o'clock, LA Comedy Club in Vegas, if you're in Vegas. Awesome night. It's fun. And it's great to see comics just work out, and that's what you do up there. Dude, but I'll tell you that LA Comedy Club is is it's, it's amazing. It, it's a real. It's like you know they they want you to go. You know that's the other thing too. If you ever go to the comedy store again, look under the cover booth, and Mitzi is the, you know is the godmother of stand up. Yeah. And uh, to come up at the comedy store when I came up to work with all of these comedians, and you know the other thing that's great about the store there's no MC, so whoever just did it, they bring you up and you got to follow it, whatever it may there you be. Go. It could be Chris Rock. It could be anybody. Um, but it says under the cover booth, you don't have three minutes to be funny. You have three minutes to be who you are. Yep. Right. And a lot of the comedy clubs that, without mentioning names, you know, they want you to, hey, do your time, get out so they can go go gamble or keep it light. We don't, you know, we got, yep. you know, people, tourists or whatever. LA comedy clubs, like, go hard. Go hard in the paint. And, 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 you know, you can't ask for a better type of, of situation, especially if you're going to work out every night. You know what I mean? Big shout outs to Matt. 
And, oh, and what by the way, I took the Bucks. All right, I, I meant to tell you. I oh, did you really? Taking, I I won. I, dude, I hit every bet this weekend. I I I I hit the head. I got heads. I hit the coin toss. I took the Bucks and the points in a in a in a parlay with the under. Then I took the Bucks in the money line with a parlay in the under. And then I just took the Bucks in the money line and all four hit, man. And it was a last second decision because I told you I was going to go with Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, you did. But I, I switched out, man. Which uh, so so what what's something like that win you? I mean, you know, okay. it's okay. <laughs> no, I mean, right. look, you know, a couple of hundred. You you could if, if the the one of the parlays paid about two and a half times the money. Oh, that's great. So whatever you well, bet. So if you bet a hundred. I won about. I think it was like two fifty or something like oh, that. Oh, great. Yeah, great. But you know, they all they all add up. So. All right. Uh, everybody's saying they enjoyed the pot. All right, uh, Brett, I'll, we're going to do this again soon, man. Oh, I'll just see you in the club and we'll do it in real life. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate your time, man. No, of course. Thank you, man. All right. Have a great one. Okay. All right, brother. Later. All right. Later. That was awesome. That was awesome, man. That was awesome. I mean, the dude, the dude is a killer. Make sure you check him out if you're in Las Vegas. Uh, thank you for watching the pod today. Uh, I'll be uploading this on Facebook. I mean, on uh, my normal podcasting, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to it. Hey, make sure you share it. Make sure you keep spreading the word. Uh, follow the page. Do not like the page. Follow the page. Do not like the page. It does more for me. I will see you next time. Later.